Welcome to the Leadership School Podcast. I'm your host, leadership and self-care coach, Kyla Kofer. Here at the Leadership School, you'll hear leaders from around the world sharing their stories and expertise on how to lead with balance and integrity. Our goal? Teach you how to be an extraordinary leader. Welcome back, friends, to Leadership School. I am so excited about today's episode because we're celebrating 50 episodes of Leadership School. This is a huge deal, and I am taking every chance I can to just really soak it in and celebrate it and just feel how awesome this milestone is for me personally. 50 episodes of a podcast that I started on a whim, and I have learned so much. It has been just a remarkable journey for me and for the podcast itself, and I really hope that it is helping you in your own leadership journey. So we're celebrating big by bringing back two former guests. We've got Dalip Ramachandran, who is a guest in season one. It's been over a year since we've talked to him. So we're going to hear about his year, about things going on in his life, and what, or just what he's been doing since he was here on the podcast. And then we've got Laura Lewis Barr. Laura was a guest this year, season two. She's a master storyteller. In her episode, she tells us all about what it means to tell a good story. And so we're going to also talk with her about some of those things. But really, this isn't really an interview. This is a little bit different. It's just a conversation between three professionals who really want to celebrate, talk about our life lessons, and just have a moment to like enjoy, reflect, and be grateful. So I really enjoyed this conversation. It was a different and unique, but chock full of lessons and camaraderie, um, some vulnerability. Uh, really beautiful. I know you're going to love it. Thank you for joining me on this incredible journey of growing in our own leadership skills. It is truly my honor to show up in your podcast feed and to just be part of your lives in this way. Um, I, I love what I'm doing and I've learned and grown so much personally. Like I said, it's just been a remarkable journey. I am so proud to be here and celebrating 50 episodes. Thank you for celebrating with me. Enjoy this episode. As you know, <laughs> the countdown always makes me nervous. So um, I like just like to get going and then talk and then we just can continue on. So, um, but yeah, 50 episodes. I am, I'm just thrilled. I really am. I, I was telling you guys just a second ago that I am just really thrilled that we're here celebrating 50 episodes because I never thought that I would get to 50 episodes of a podcast because I never thought I would start a podcast. <laughs> like it was kind of something I just did as on a whim. And yet here I am 50 episodes later, and I've interviewed so many people from all over the world and including both of you. And um, it, it has been such a growing experience for me and I've gotten great feedback. And I've, and I'm at the point where I'm like, well, if nobody ever listens to it, who cares? Cause I'm learning a ton and I'm having a blast. So <laughs> It's great. Maybe we could interview you a little bit. Oh, well, you're welcome to do that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because I want to I want to ask you and I was going to ask this just before you said it like what have you learned? What how has this changed you? There's Laura, the storyteller, and I think that's a really great introduction. So let's just we'll do we'll pause and have a quick introduction um which I'm going to go back and I'll I'll summarize everything later, but um I I'm really grateful to have both of you on the podcast. We've got Laura Lewis Barr and Dalip Ramachandran. So Dalip, you were in season one of the podcast, I think, last year. I should go. I, you know, I didn't even go back and look before we <laughs> recorded this. But I think you were in season one. And our conversation was really impactful to me because I remember mostly how I felt afterwards in talking to you because there's something about you that makes people feel really cared for. And so, um, and you've, we've continued our friendship since that initial conversation. So I've been really, really grateful for that. And then Laura, um, we were just talking a minute ago about the power of storytelling and your particular episode is still is holding the record for the most downloaded episode of the podcast. And I think that's because people really do understand the value of telling a good story. And you did such a good job that episode walking us through that. So congratulations on the highest uh, downloaded episode. Um, <laughs> and I just thank you guys for uh, celebrating here. We're 50 episodes in and I just um, wanted to 
celebrate that and mark it in some way. So I thought, what a unique way is having two retur- guests return and like, let's just have a conversation, a little chit chat about like, you know, life. But um, but you asked a question, Laura, so I'll, uh, I will let you repeat it. And then we'll use that as our, our starting point, I guess. Yeah, I wanted to hear how the podcast has changed you or what have you learned in the process? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked because it's kind of fun to share that on my own podcast. I've done it as a guest <laughs> on other people's. Um, but I think I've learned mostly to have belief in myself. Like that that is hands down the most significant lesson that I've had in this. Um, because when I first started it, it was a little scary. Um, I was like, eh, whatever, no one's going to listen to it. And then now people listen to it. But I was like, no one's going to listen to it. It's just something I'm going to try and do. Um, but I was at a point in my life where I was pivoting from being a super insecure person to being a confident person and being a person who loved and believed in myself. And so as I did this podcast, every single episode, I was like, I'm doing this. I actually know what I'm talking about. I because I didn't know what I was talking about. I just really didn't believe it. I don't know how to explain that any better, but I just didn't think that I mattered, you know, or that what I had to say would be believable or whatever. And so, um, and then I would interview guests and they would say stuff and I would be, and I would go, yeah, that's the same thing I I teach people. <laughs> and so I realized, oh, like I do have these skills and I and I was right all along. And so just having that affirmation was really has really been um healing for me. Um and as I've grown, you know, and it's given me confidence in taking being um a more intentional dynamic speaker as a keynote speaker. Um and then gosh As far as practical, I guess that's pretty practical, but as far as other lessons, like through the interviews, um, I mean, I can have, I can make a list of like different lessons from each and every one. So I've learned better interviewer skills, I think. I think I've learned um, just better relational skills. I, I don't know. It goes on and on and on. I'm just really, really grateful. It's been such a good experience. So yeah, I don't know. That sounds good. I love it. You know, sometimes so, uh, you know, sometimes you have people take these uh, these like stop motion videos, right? And they take uh-huh. they take a picture of themselves, you know, one every week or one every year, and they do it. They replay it. It's you mm-hmm. could probably look at your fifty episodes and you could see how you've evolved as a coach. You know, if you uh-huh. go and watch them back, just the way you ask a question, the way you hold yourself. Uh, that was, I hope you get a chance to do that. That's probably cool. Oh, that's a good idea. What One thing that is interesting is that I remember um, when I was just starting out with solo episodes and I had no guests and I was like, well, I wanted to do guests, but I didn't really know how to do that or how to find them. And um, I went to a networking event and I met someone and I said, well, I'll interview. Why don't I interview you? And they, she agreed, Elaine Williams. And so she was my first guest. And then Ever since then, I have had like nonstop requests to be <laughs> on my show. I've had over 200 requests. I've never needed for guests. It has been just incredible. I I like haven't even had to uh, try that hard to find people. And I do make effort towards it because I'm not going to just have anybody who wants to say anything on my podcast. <laughs> like I'm pretty picky about who I choose to have on the show. Um, but I, I just think that that's really really cool that um, when you have something that is kind of a desire and sometimes you don't even really know it and then you believe in yourself and you just try and go for it, how these the world just kind of opens itself up to you. Have you guys experienced that in, in your careers? Um, I, I, tell me about those types of experiences that you've had. I'll, I'll see to deliver. Sure, first. yeah. You know, we talked about this. I don't remember on the podcast or in, we have had many chats, but this this concept of you know, and you touched a little bit on the on it, the idea of fake it till you make it, right? Um, we all, we say this thing that you know, hey, uh, how does somebody get to be their optimal self? Right? We only see them at the snapshot when they're doing their TED talk, right? We don't yeah. see all the the the. The, the pre-chapters and the first works, you know, we don't get to see all of that, right? I love and hearing you, like, you know, someone's like, I, I made 
um, I was an in- instant success. And the first six months of my business, I did all of this. And, <laughs> but really it was like, uh, the previous eight years that you didn't yeah. see and you just saw the success in those six months. <laughs> right. You don't realize the things that built you up to that point. And everybody who's been successful, they probably go to the thing that you went through, Kylie, Akaila, right? Like they, 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 they doubt, they wander. I have to, right? From a, I was going to say, what about business. you? Tell us about you. Yeah. Like looking at my business, uh, you know, I jumped into it. And I jumped in because I felt that there was nothing else. Like, like how you said, I felt that there was nothing else I could do. I had to do it. I felt so emboldened and confident about starting this company. And the purpose was so important. Once I actually started doing it, I realized, you know, the idea of being your own boss and the idea of running your own business and having the freedom is very different from the real job of everything that comes with it, right? All the baggage that comes with running your own business and the risk and the financial freedom that you lose by running your own business, especially in the early days. And it's been tough. You know, it's, there have been many times where I've, I've just asked myself the question, can I do this? You know, am I made for this? You know, and uh, I'm glad that, you know, my wife, who's also my advisor, is always right next door. And she says, what are you talking about? Do you remember how you felt when you worked at a company at a corporate job? Do you have you forgotten already? Um, and I think the the main thing, Kyla, for me is that it's going to be hard. Any kind of growth, any kind of stretching is hard. If it wasn't hard, everybody would be doing it. It's it's hard on purpose because it's it's a test, it's a trial of who you are as a person, right? Yeah. I just saw a quote. I think it, I think Jesse Itzler said this um, on Instagram. I, th- I saw him write it on Instagram that um, if it gets really hard, that means you're weeding out your competition <laughs> because they're going to totally quit <laughs> when it's totally. hard. And if you keep going, then you're the one who wins because you've kept going. Yeah. yeah, especially in this market, I think that's that's happening right now. And whatever you do, right? Any 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 function or any 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 uh, skill that you're building, uh, it's it's a test. It's a test of your resilience and your stamina and Absolutely. i talked to a founder at an event last week and he's been running a company for something like eight years and we, we kind of resonated on that you know sometimes i'm just a cockroach i told him that sometimes I'm just a cockroach i just will not die i just choose not to <laughs> i choose to you know it, of course it's emotional some days of course you know it's it's tough i had a hard i have a hard time getting through the day but then i go to sleep wake up and I say, I'm going to keep doing this because the, the purpose and the mission is too important for me not to do it. The opportunity cost of it, I, I know it. I know what it will, I've done it, but I've done it before. Uh, and I just, I just want to keep working on this. And then just time, time solves a lot of things. Yeah. What about you, Laura? How have you had some of those experiences? Uh, well, I'm remembering Joseph Campbell, the mythologist, who I think he has quotes about, you know, if you follow your path, the way will open for you. But in those really old stories, like the, um, the Knights of the Round Table, when they would go on their quest, if they found a path in the forest, it wasn't their path. They had to go to the darkest place where there was no path because if there was a path, it was somebody else's. And so, what Dilip is saying, I think, is so right on. It's hard. It's a hero's journey that we're on. And and I was reading uh, today, I think, on Twitter, somebody tweeted about um, how if you're really afraid of a, a certain task, it's probably what you're meant for. And I was like, yeah, that's me. I mean, I'm I'm really terrified of what I'm usually felt compelled to do and um and that's hard is there something that you've experienced that with recently oh i didn't mean to interrupt you sorry but i'm curious if there's something you've experienced that recently yeah that you'd be willing to share (laughs) (laughs) there's some hesitation there you don't have to share (laughs) this is a safe space no (laughs) it's just so funny the things that terrify because it's not rational i don't get why so i don't like to produce live events i used to produce theater i i'm about to produce screenings of films and discussions and 
and I get very stressed because I think it's because I can't control it. I'm a stop motion filmmaker because I can control every little doll, every little movement. But when you produce an event, as you probably both know, you can go any which way. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm on that verge of feeling that fear right now and trying to breathe into it and, and keep moving forward. Um, one thing I notice, and I don't know if you both agree with me on this, but to me, I don't, women seem to, like, I keep meeting women who are going back to school for their second master's, their second PhD. And I'm like, no, no, no. You just go and do what you do. When you were talking, Kyla, I was just thinking, it's so easy to just go back to school instead of go into the place and, and fight the battle, go in, go into the lion's den, do it. Um, but I'm always tempted to go back to school because then you have legitimacy and you're sort of safe. And so, yeah, I hope I haven't insulted people in school right now, but. No, and I, th- and I think there's definitely reasons to go to school. Like there's some careers that you have yes. to be have a profession. I mean, I would hope my my medical provider has gone to school, but, but so there's definitely reasons for that. But I, um, it is really interesting that you bring that up, just because I have seen the um, decline in the um, celebrations of going to college, as in like it's not such a high, lofty, glorious, wonderful thing that everybody must do because um, we're seeing value in the trades and we're seeing this is a total tangent, but we're seeing that like, yeah, (laughs) just go do the thing. And in doing the thing and doing, you learn, right. And doing that thing, you start to learn those skills. So um, yeah. Um, So, but Laura, I'm curious. um, You said, you know, you hate producing live events yet you're continuing to do them. So um, there's that fear there, but what makes you do it anyways? Like what, what, what calls you to go? Yeah, but this is something that I'm, I'm called to do and I'm going to do it. Yeah. What, you know, the question is, what is the nature of the call and how do we recognize it? Mm-hmm. Right. And Dilip was saying it sort of doesn't let me go. And if I don't do it, I'm miserable. If I do it, I'm miserable. <laughs> but, but I know, f- I know from my history that, Eventually, I'm not miserable when I do it. Eventually, I can enjoy doing it and feel that I've contributed a little to my growth and to the world's goodness. Because if we don't take our own hero's journey, then, you know, the world, the world needs us each to take the journey, our own hero's journey. That's what we're all called. Yeah. Yeah. So like what I'm hearing both of you say, and what I think too, is that um, the, the risk and the, um, the reward and the positive benefits, which is the reward, I guess, completely outweighs any risk or any fear um, because it creates value in what we're doing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to touch on what Laura was saying, you know, partially the kind of things that we're all working on, but also, creative exploration right and you know there's a book i think i may there's a book called the the art of uh, the war of art if you read that book i have it here on my shelf and there's one chapter just talks about the the creator's dilemma and it's just making a movie or making a podcast or writing a book like what i went through last year it might be easier to do something that's less risky and just not do it it just it's it compels you to go that way um but you can't. <laughs> it's like an inside battle inside. A, a creator has that battle, right? Because the creativity needs to come out. It needs to come out. It can't stay in there. Um, whether it's building a business or making a movie or hosting a podcast. It's so fun because I used um, to think that I was not a creative person at all because I can't um, paint or draw. And I associated that type of art with all creativity so like it didn't occur to me that I was creative. I was a creative writer, um, creative in conversation, like creative in ideas, all of that. Like I just thought, oh, I'm not a creative person. And in fact, I still regret it. And I've, and I've apologized and made amends. But one time I even said that about my son. I said, well, he's not very creative. But what I meant was he can't draw and it's not his thing. Like he, anytime you put a crane in front of him, he will pretty much just 
break it in half and throw it on the floor. Like he does not <laughs> want to color, but he, the the kid is super creative with other things, making up stories and um, just his imagination is, is incredible. Uh, so he's very creative and it's, I don't know why in my head, I always understood that creativity meant, can you draw well and can you paint and color well? <laughs> so it's been a real gift to go, wait, I can write a book. I can make a film. I can, um, I can, talk on a podcast like that's art that's creation that's right fun i'm gonna go on tangent here so you can edit this part out if you want to no but, um really i think when i grew up in sri lanka the culture that i grew up in you know my expectations for my family was hey, you're going to be a engineer or you're going to be a mathematician or you're going to work on those arts right um, you're not going to be an artist you're not going to be doing anything like that so the word creative was sort of like a bad word in my family, actually. Really. Like, it's not, it wasn't a word that was ever used. Like, you know, he's smart or she's smart. Or she's good at math or he's good at math. But never, you know, this person is creative. So I actually think through my journey of running the business in the past year or two years now, I recently have gotten comfortable saying, when people ask me, tell me about yourself, I actually have gotten comfortable saying that I'm a creative person. It's taken me decades to say that out loud. And it feels so good to say because I am a creative person. I wrote a book. I love to, you know, compose things, compose dance. So compose things in a company, those all requires creativity. And that's, that's, that's a gift, right? It's not a black mark, you know? So, and with being creative comes all these challenges, internal war, the war of art, right? The internal war that we all have that we need to find our own path to. Right? Not somebody else's path, our own path. And the reality is, you know, when you read these books and you read, and you watch these movies, they only show some of the paths, right? They cut out the paths that didn't work very well. So you just, there's like some sort of confirmation bias there about what paths work well. But there's a lot of trial and error that goes into all of this work that we don't really talk about. Right. So what you just said is really interesting to me because um, when I started this episode, I was telling you about how I struggled with confidence and insecurity and disbelief in myself. And um, I realized now that those were a lot of lies that I told myself uh, um, and, you know, other reasons for one reason or another. But I'm hearing, too, that you had some of those things, too, like where you had told yourself that you weren't a creative person. And so we've all had to learn like these new things about ourselves that were always true, but we didn't believe them. Um, but what's funny is we kind of tend to think that we're the only person who experiences that. I'm wondering if you felt that way too, at either of you, because I always thought like I was the only person, everybody else were, was good with themselves. And I just <laughs> had, to, had to figure that out. Um, did you guys experience that? Kyla, I see what you send out via emails and, and messages to the world. And you're so vulnerable in them. I'm always like, whoa. And you're willing to say what I think we're all thinking, but I, I don't know, you know, how it is, Dilip, in your culture, but in the U.S., it's, there's so much, um, pressure to have it all together all the time. And, uh, I think I'm getting better at admitting to myself what's not together but am do I am I really willing to announce it bravo to you because I think it does feed us it does heal us when we let each other know that I'm scared well, it takes it's practice, you know, so um, I learned a lot from my husband who has a lot of practice in this because of his own personal journey, which I don't need to share because it's he's not here. So but his own personal journey is a lot of practice in sharing his story. And um, I was just always impressed. So I was like, why would you tell me that? Like, you're going to tell me that that's like, that's pretty a vulnerable thing that you did or that you experienced. And I can't believe you'd be willing to share. Um, and I don't know all, everything, you know, we all don't, we keep things to ourselves, right? You guys might, I might be pretty vulnerable in my posts or my emails and my podcast, but um, you guys are ever going to hear it all. <laughs> like, you know, there's always going to be something that we'll keep to ourselves. Um, but it certainly is something that takes practice because um, I don't think I ever would have been willing to admit that I had a history of depression um, until I started admitting that I had depression. And once I started doing that, I saw the benefits and how it healed me. Um, because the more I spoke about it, the less I felt like 
it had control over me. Now I had control over it and it changes Mm. your perspective of things, but it takes a vulnerability and is not something to take lightly. It definitely takes practice. And I think there has to be a lot of boundaries with it uh, for sure, (laughs) because um, you, there is such a thing as TMI. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, sure. And you know, sometimes I, I think, Folks, and to your point, Laura, where you said about the culture, I think it's a global thing. You know, it's not just an American thing. Okay. It's a global thing that everybody, everybody wants to be picture perfect and pixel perfect. And and it's it's almost self-driven by leaders as though I think leaders feel that they have to do that because the employees expect that of them. And mm. sometimes employees do expect that of their leaders because that's what someone told them they should expect of their leaders. And it's difficult for people to break the mold. And I feel lucky as the owner of a company, as a founder of a company, that I can make bold decisions. We've done so many bold decisions in the past two years that broke open those shells. It has to come from the top, right? The, the changes have to come from the top. Does. So in the way we work, in our work week, in our uh, organizational culture, in the way we deal with transparency, um, Companies still do need strong leaders. You know, they want leaders to be consistent and strong. I think it's required of you to stay on track to something consistent and long-term. But uh, it doesn't behoove us from saying what's really going on, right? The challenge is what's really going on. So that you can work together as a group to solve the problem, then kind of hold it in one person's head. But yeah, but... My... my bro- Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Finish. No, please go ahead. My, my, my brother... Um- was a CEO of a company and he told me, and it was a pretty small, it wasn't a huge company, but he used to have a monthly uh, meeting where he, he spoke about his biggest mistake of the month as a way to really invite everyone to share the failures because that's the only way we learn is when we share them and think about them and, let them be that failing fast, failing forward. And celebrating and them in a way. that he did that. Like he was kind of celebrating yeah. it. Like, this is great. We failed. So <laughs> <laughs> this is my biggest failure. What's yours? Yeah. So kind of normalizing that. Yeah. I was very impressed when I, when he told me that. Yeah. And, and um, Kyla, what you're doing though, in your LinkedIn posts and in your uh, emails, I agree with Laura that it's, it's a, it takes a lot of strength to do that. And it shows that uh, you're committed to this path of of coaching people because you can't coach people if you can't be true about yourself. Yeah, you know, I think there are times in our life when it's important to do our own work um, and to do what we need to do to care for ourselves and heal. And then there are times in our life when our story can help other people. Uh, you know, and just, I was telling Laura right before you came on Deep that um, there was um, a workshop that I just did where I was sharing some of my own personal stories in that workshop. And um, it, it was kind of hard to share some of those stories because they were new stories that I hadn't told before. But in the doing so, it was like this opportunity of um, how my story and using that to propel the whole message I was offering of, um, I'm not just telling you something. I'm not telling you to change or to do something with different with your life because, you know, I read a book and thought it would be a good thing to do. Um, I'm doing it because my own experiences taught me that. And because we learn through stories and, and like we were saying, I think that's why your episode has been the most downloaded episode, Laura, is because we under intuitively understand that we learn through stories and that leadership is bringing people into this compelling story that we're telling. Um, So through doing that um, and just practicing that, I have just seen how people would, people are way more willing to tell me what's going on with their life when I share something that I can relate. So they'll go, Oh yeah, I was depressed once too. Um, and this is how I went through that. And I'm, I can go, yeah, or I'm really not feeling it right now. And I can say, I've been there, you know, think about like when you're, you're talking to anybody like kids, I know Dalip, you've got kids and we're actually, I don't know if you've had kids. So you have, nope. you have, you have 
Doc. I was gonna say you have you have an that animal counts. child. <laughs> so and he's like a bad three year old. Yeah, I remember time, that. So. Anyway, it comes. You, you tr- <laughs> whenever you're teaching, I think I tend to think younger because I'm around my younger kids all day long. So and um, that's the first example that I have. Um, but when you're sharing with somebody else, they they're not gonna learn by you just telling them what to do. They they learn from, hey. One time I went through this experience, this is how I handled it. And this is what happened to me. And then they go, oh, like you're actually legitimate. Like you actually aren't just telling me because you're trying to be all smart, but you're telling me because you've been through it before. And you go, well, yes. (laughs) That resonates. You know, I didn't think about it, Kyla, but that really resonates because when I'm talking to my daughter and our job as parents is to guide them, right? Is to help them through the life that they're going to live. And we are telling them things to a point, not because we want to talk at them. We want them to have a good life. And I found it's actually interesting that when I open up and share something from my life, she typically typically goes, really? That really happened to you? Tell me more about that story. Tell me more what happened. And I think it it sticks with her, whatever I've said. And it's probably the same thing with your sessions because they came to the session. Why did they come? We don't really know why they came. Um, maybe they felt like your marketing was good, right? Or they felt like your uh, price was right. Who knows, right? But they came. They showed up. Yeah. Right? They're there now. And they're probably thinking like, why should I listen to her? And I, I think when you tell that story, they feel, they feel a sense of connection and a sense of trust that opens the door to what you're really saying, right? So I think opening up is like the entry point to what you're really trying to say, what you're really trying to help someone through so that they don't go through the challenges that you've gone through. Laura, you could probably affirm that. Like, is that what, what Delete just mentioned a couple of things, trust. And um, you said another word that I've just blanked out on, but um, what is it? The connection, what is connection, it that, yeah. that draws people in that um, people remember and learn a lesson through a story better than just me telling you a lesson? Like, what is it about the story that, that changes that? Yeah, I think, you know, human beings have been telling stories for millennia, right? And our brains are wired in a certain way that when you tell a really um, good story, you tell a story that allows me in, our brains start to sync up. Interesting. Yeah. So um, it's one of the reasons why stories are memorable. And yeah, or like the whole mirror neuron thing. So if, if you're telling me a story and I'm visualizing the story, I start to kind of live it too. If I watch a story in a film, um, I can start feeling the same thing. It's like we're, we're wired in terms of mirror neurons and everything else to, um, to sync up with each other. And that's how empathy is born, right? Because it's not just Which our is, mind. It's not just thoughts. It brings all of the parts together. You've got the, like, the mind, the thoughts, the soul, emotions, all of those parts are kind of like working in sync together. That's really interesting because I, I mean, I coach mostly on burnout. I mean, I, I coach on several other things, but burnout's kind of my main topic. And the definition of burnout is the mental, emotional, physical exhaustion from overwork or stress. Yeah. But in storytelling, it sounds like you get mental, emotional, and physical like connection with somebody through a story. So I'm, you know, I just see how healing sharing stories can be, which is, I guess, why it's important for me to be vulnerable and to tell those things, like tell our failures, like Dalip, you had the last two years have been hard doing your, um, your business, you're starting a new business and you have two countries that you're working with, maybe more. And and that's really challenging. And Laura, like going out and producing these live events to showcase things like that's really scary. And the more you share that with people, they can go, Oh, I, I totally relate to that, but look at her doing it anyway. And, and in, in sharing that, we're like, see, we've done this because we believe in it and we believe in you too. And people get this like boost of belief is powerful. Belief, belief is so powerful. Uh, I, maybe that's kind of what we've been talking about and skirting around this whole conversation is just um, how the belief in your own story, the belief in the story that you're telling, um, and how um, that carries you. Maybe like, I want to hear what you guys, your experiences with belief and belief in yourself or belief when someone else has believed in you. Maybe you have a story of someone who really believed in you that pushed you or um, a time when you were like, 
a little bit nervous, but you really believed in yourself. So you did it anyways. Let's hear some stories since we're talking about stories. (laughs) Yeah, that's the, those are really great prompts. I usually give a prompt that's, um, tell me a lesson you learned the hard way. (laughs) Because I think, I guess in terms of storytelling, it's the obstacle that is the most interesting, right? So a time, yeah, like a time I didn't believe in myself, but then I realized I was wrong. That's an easier story for me to tell because I think just finding the win, um, well, it goes against my way of teaching storytelling, which is to embrace the obstacle. Like the obstacle is central to the story. Uh-huh. So the first time I was involved in a filmmaking project, I was made the director, but I didn't know anything about filmmaking. And everybody knew I didn't know anything about filmmaking. And it was excruciating. Oh how old, do you remember how, how old you were or like what oh, age? No, I mean, I was an adult. Okay. It was, this was maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago. Or okay. Something. So you weren't like, tw- you weren't like 18 or something. This was well into adulthood. No, okay. I had been doing theater for a long time and I got this opportunity for a film on one of my scripts and, and they said, would you direct? I'm like, okay. And, um, Hold on. What gave you the courage to say yes in the first place? Because you could have just said, no, I'm not going to direct. I don't know anything about directing. But you said yes. Yeah, I I said yes because, you know, the the ability to make a film is so amazing. And that that whole story – all right, I have to go back a little bit. Please. (laughs) So it was was New Year's Day, January 1st, and I had an intuition, and I don't usually get those. And the intuition was – Go to Craigslist and type in the word theater. Okay. And I, I know. And I did. And, and the first thing that popped up, and I was the first person to answer the ad. They were looking for a script to make a film. These filmmakers, new filmmakers. And, you know, the ability to make a feature film is what everybody hopes for. So I was going to say yes, because the whole thing felt like a miracle. Like I had had this intuition, but in the midst of it, it was excruciating. And I didn't know what I was doing. Everybody knew, knew I didn't. And the actors wouldn't listen to me. And, um, but little miracles, like you said earlier, Things kept coming my way. I found an editor that helped me. Other people dropped out, so I had to learn how to edit. And it was a crash course. And now I'm a filmmaker, and I'm a filmmaker because of that event. But you could have at any point just given up and walked away. Yeah. But you couldn't because how would you have felt had you walked away? You wouldn't have been okay with that. Right. Well, it was waiting for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've walked away from things in the past and, and they've, they've left too. But this wasn't, lo- this wasn't leaving. That's amazing. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. I can't imagine how long was that process? Are we talking like three months, two years? Well, the filming we did in seven days because it was a zero budget wow. thing, a feature film, zero budget. And then the producers decided they didn't want to finish the project. And they kind of led me on for maybe two years. They just kept saying, I'm working on it. And then they finally saw I wasn't letting go. And they had to admit that they had let go. And they said, do you want to finish it? So then it was another year. So the whole thing maybe took five. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's interesting because it, we, we, I think we tend to think that stories like that, when we hear them, this was like six months and excruciating. And after six months, here she was and she knew how to direct, you know, and she knew how to create films, but it was a long process. And that must have, and during that process, um, it wasn't like one day you were stressed out about it. I imagine there were a lot of stressful, challenging days. I mean, you, up and the down, word excruciating up and down, is a pretty powerful word. <laughs> Yeah, well, 
I feel things pretty strongly. Yeah. And then I got, I, years later, I got into a film festival and that was like amazing. But there were problems with the film. So I got to see on the big screen every flaw in the film. So, you know, life is that way. I, I'm guessing Delete can talk about this. It's like there's the rush and the joy and then then the crash of the the next set of learning. The next set of learning. Right? It's like we we climb a mountain, we get to the top, and we're not like, our life is complete. Then we're like, look, I see another mountain. Yeah. Right. I can That's the creative yeah. life. That's the creative life, and I can I can really resonate with that and if you just look at, you know, it's like this Riverside logo, right? It looks like that, right? It's this, it's a sine wave, right? That's what it looks ah. like. And, but it looks like that if you're focusing just on that one week or that one month, once you zoom out, what I've seen, either it looks like that. And when you zoom in, it's like that, right? But you're, but you're progressing through your career. For our listeners who don't know, you're, you're mentioning the Riverside logo because we're using Riverside as our um, recording platform right. and it's yeah. just a little wave. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. like a sign. I just see it right now. It just came to me when you talked about it, Laura. It's a sine wave, right? So, um, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. And I think, uh, and we talked about this, I think, kind of just on a chat that we had sometime, your sensitivities change over time. So I remember when the first time an employee, uh, on at my company resigned and for us you know when we have an employee the employee works for us also maybe works for a client and so there's like a double level of stress there because you've got to tell the client because who somebody who i committed to you actually is not going to make it and it could affect downstream for them because they're trying to build something but they're trying to do something with the resource we committed to them and so i remember kind of sweating and i was in sri lanka so it's hot too <laughs> But oh, I would say I was extra sweating, okay? Uh, hands sweaty. And, and I was talking to my brother. I can remember the moment right now. And I just thought I was dying. I really thought there's, there's something physiologically in my body that's telling me, stop. Stop this thing. You're not made for this. And, of course, you know, my, my dad and my brother, they've been in business for decades. So they kind of pulled, called me off the ledge and they said, listen, this is how it's going to be. What's going to be your risk mitigation? How are you going to make sure it doesn't happen next time? And, you know, just looking at the problem, addressing the problem objectively, and then coming up with a plan. We've, we implemented something as a result of that. Right? We changed our contracts. We changed something in the way the business works as a result of that learning. You know, each time, you know, people come and go to companies. It just happens. Like people have lives and their lives, they have to follow the path of their own stream. Right. Their, their stream is meandering and sometimes it comes with our stream, sometimes it leaves our stream. And you just can't like grab onto them. Like we, we think our stream's awesome. <laughs> we think there's a great stream. You know, it's got fresh water, it's got great salmon, but, uh, you know, we can try to make the stream better over time, but sometimes the stream's going to part ways. And now when somebody says they're, they're resigning, my, actually what I say is, it looks like you're going to a better job. I'm so happy for you. I'm happy that we have trained you and upskilled you to a place that you can go to that job that you couldn't go to before us. Wish we could do better to keep you here. We'll work on that. Tell us what we can do to do better. Uh, you know, that's just one example of how I've grown from something that used to terrify me. You know, that's amazing because I mean, you literally had like the fight or flight response. You had like the flight oh, yeah. response, right? You're like <laughs> oh, yeah. having a panic attack. Your whole body is under this like um, shutting down um, stress moment, and um, the very first time this happened, but it wasn't the last time it happened. And so yeah. now you, because you've had those experiences, you've built on it and you've developed some resiliency and, and now understand um, how to, how to almost celebrate those moments. It's right. a, that is such a shift from celebrating somebody to being literally like sweating, terrified, panic attack. <laughs> yes. Like what yeah. a cool shift. And, and like you said yeah. a second ago, like when we're looking right at this first moment, we only see what's happening in front of us. But if you can zoom out and you see the bigger picture, like of our whole lives um, and all these different things and the way we've learned and grown, learned and grown um, that, we we have really done much better than we thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm really impressed because I think if you if we don't go and deal with the emotional impact of what's happened, then we don't get to learn. Mm -hmm. I think 
you have to feel the emotion because Brene Brown talks a lot about this. If we, if we're sort of shutting that off, we don't want to feel the shame, the fear, the terror, then yeah, then we don't get to use it and learn from it and grow. And those things never go away either. Like we'll just have that experience again and not know how to deal with it the next time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Then, yeah. then you know, I think uh, you know, it's like making the same mistake twice. We don't want to do that, right? <laughs> right. You know, we want to make new mistakes. I always tell my daughter that, and I think it's from a isn't that from a song? I, don't uh, know. I think it's from a Shakira song. Make <laughs> new mistakes, right? Um, <laughs> I, I want to say something that Laura talked about. You know, you became a director. Uh, you asked to become a director of this movie, and they knew that you couldn't do it. But I, I think the beautiful thing about what we can do in organizations is maybe they, maybe they said this to themselves or they told this to you, like, she'll figure it out or he'll figure it out. I think when you're in an organization, you can say that to someone else in your organization. And I try to say that as much as I can because the more I say it, that means the more I trust my team. Uh, that's like the, the most powerful, like, you know, couple of words you can say to someone. Like, yeah, you'll figure it out. You know? Sometimes trust it's you. scary as you'll the leader to say that, especially if you like <laughs> already know how to do something because you are like wanting to kind of micromanage um, but if you can trust somebody to figure things out, it's, it is very empowering for both of you. Um, and, uh, but to be that person can, can be a little bit scary unless you don't know how to do it. Then you're like, Oh, figure it out. I'm, I'm it out. farming that <laughs> off to somebody else. Right. But, but even if you know how to do it though, Kyla, you're bringing somebody else in because you, it's not the right thing for you to do as a leader. Right. You have to decide, like, are you going to do sales? Are you going to fundraising are you going to run the business are you going to write the marketing copy you can't do all of it someone has to figure it out yeah others you're not going to scare that that burnout conversation comes in and we always (laughs) were like but i can do it all what do you mean i can't do everything i can um at the end of my talk that i just did um i was telling this quote and i just think it's so beautiful and it's a great time to bring it up um there's a, a beautiful prayer written by the bishop ken untenner um, and it's actually all, usually most always attributed to the St. Oscar Romero. And it, it's a beautiful prayer. So go Google it. The whole prayer is out there. Um, and I may have had like an early on episode of the podcast where I talked about it because it's been so much powerful. But there's one line in it where he says, um, we cannot do everything. And there's a sense of liberation in realizing that this enables us to do something and to do it very well. Yeah. And that's just always been really healing to me because I kind of did think uh, growing up and, you know, in college that like it was my responsibility to kind of manage everything in my life and a little bit further outside of my life to <laughs> manage everything and everyone. And, you know, I, I think leaders tend to do that because we see all the stuff that needs to be done. And so we just kind of start fiddling and doing it all. Um, And so I just always thought that like I had to be in control in charge of everything, but we just can't do that. We're not built for that. And so Mm -hmm. when we can hone in like, what are these things that really give me joy? And yeah, I could still dabble in other things. That doesn't mean I have to be like, I only make movies. Well, only making movies also has meant that you've done editing, you've done the producing events, you've done all these things. I only do my job. Well, you're also a parent. You're the CEO. You're confident. You all those things. Like I don't just do the podcast. I do keynote speaking and coaching. Um, you get to do little different things involved, but um, you can do one thing really, really well and take great pride and joy. I think in those in those things without feeling like, well, but I also have to write 17 books and I also have to go on a tour and I also have to <laughs> um, be on all the PTAs and volunteer in three different local nonprofit organizations, <laughs> you know, like, come on. Um, I, I, there's some people, maybe that's their gift, but, uh, if it's not your gift, then let's not try and do everything. <laughs> yeah. I just keep hearing emotional intelligence in everything you guys are talking about that, you know, being in touch with our emotions is the beginning and the end of living successfully, I think. And its relationship to burnout, its relationship to learning. Uh, it's just, I, those are the two things I've taught in my life. And I just keep, and I, I don't do as much emotional intelligence training, but I'm just really hearing the bedrock of our conversation to me is resting on being, um, willing to be in our emotions and learn from them and 
Yeah. Yeah. Just have to speak oh, up for those emotions. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like my number one goal is to really be an emotionally intelligent person and pass that on to people I'm around. It's such a good goal. Uh, I think that's a really good point to kind of start tapering off. I, I think yeah, the three of us feel like we could probably just keep going for a while. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> as I always do in these conversations, which is why I don't know how people do like 20 minute episodes with guests. Oh, like, yeah. that's genius. I just, <laughs> I can't do that. Um, <laughs> but so I, I, I kind of want to end on some really, really positive notes. I would love to hear, um, since you were on the podcast, um, what is maybe one big win that you've had? Um, and what is just, let's, let's have like some, a really gratitude. I love, and I'm starting to learn to end days and begin days with a lot of gratitude. So what's just things that have come up that you've just been really grateful for maybe since the podcast last year and like, I don't know, today, whatever that is, like where, what is a big win that you want to celebrate? We can all celebrate that with you. And then, um, your gratitude, what's, what comes up for you, of what you've been grateful for. Um, yeah, I, I've gotten into a film cooperative, which means that I meet weekly with other filmmakers, um, instead of just being in my basement by myself making films. And they're telling me about my work in such a positive way. I've just been getting such positive feedback from these filmmakers or these voice actors, these film festivals. Um, and that's just, a dream come true because, you know, I thought that I had the talent, but, uh, you know, so I'm both grateful and, and it, that's the win of this year for me is to say I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. That's huge. That's so awesome. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. It is huge. That's yeah. great. And we're going to make sure to put some links in the show notes to, um, if you want some of your films or a website, um, cause I don't think I've asked you for those. So make sure to send me that stuff. Um, if it's changed yes. since your original episode, because people need to see your films and you're making them to share them. So let's let people I see know. them and we can want to, we want to celebrate that you with you. That's awesome. Thank you. What about you, that's, my friend? That's Deleep? awesome. Yeah. I mean, from my side, you know, I started the journey of thinking about writing a book to actually writing a book and publishing it this year. And hearing the reception from people, you know, I'm a published author now, which is awesome. I can say that. Uh, my daughter can walk around with the book that I wrote. It's kind of a cool thing. Um, but beyond that, you know, this company that I've built was a very difficult year in Sri Lanka. Uh, and it was a tough time for people living there. We supported 35 people and their families through this difficult time. That That's a massive win. Uh, and the sky's the limit. You know, the last week that we were at a conference, we were talking about the products we're building and people are excited about what we're doing. People really want us to build it soon. So it's more more empowering than I expected. Uh, so I, I'm very grateful for what this year has been. And I want you to sort of said, you know, since the podcast, I, I don't know if you remember, but the day we had the podcast um, was a tough day for me. I was in Kalambu, Sri Lanka at that time. And I was interviewing like our first leaders. It was very, very hard to get people to join a company that didn't have a name. Uh, but when we had the chat, you know, you, when I said things to you, you, you kind of, you kind of believed in me. You believed in what I was doing. You lifted me up on a day that I needed to be lifted up. And uh, you know, I can, I can remember that day. I can remember the, the room I was in. Uh, so thank you for that. Yeah. Oh, me I get, had no uh, idea. I'm yeah. so honored that you would yeah. say that and share it's it. True. Thank you, Dilip. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And, and I don't remember that at all. So like, I remember our conversation, but I didn't know that that you were having that experience. Um, so I think that just shows how powerful the moments of us showing up and like caring about people were in front of, like, I don't interview people because just, just to get your, your content out of you. Like, I want to know who you are and I, and I really do care. And so I think that that, um, is a really beautiful thing to show up and care for people. And then just to see how that, that can, impact somebody's life and yeah. i'm just so excited for that yeah you, so you you were my that. first ever 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 podcast. <laughs> ever what i didn't hear at the end first ever podcast ever ever shut up what, yeah that i talked about myself first time ever <laughs> i did not know that yeah <laughs> well you 
fake it till you make it. You said that, I guess, but you, could, <laughs> you ne- never told me and I never would have known any different. <laughs> yeah. How many podcasts have you been on since then? Oh, many. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. You guys, thank you so much. I guess for myself, I think I kind of already shared some wins. I had, I've been doing a lot more speaking um, and I love speaking. Somebody asked me yesterday, they said, well, um, like, how do you feel speaking in public? Have you, is that something that you had to learn? And I was like, oh no, I just love doing it. I've always loved speaking. <laughs> and it confuses me when people say they don't like speaking in public. Cause I'm like, well, why wouldn't you? <laughs> and I've just always loved it. But, um, I, you know, I just kind of did it here and there. And I mean, I've done it all over the world, but really on casual basis. And so now just getting into the more professional speaking, um, that has been a huge win because I've invested a lot professionally into that. And, um, to see that coming about, um, gives me a lot of gratitude and pride. You know, I think sometimes that it's really, we, we feel a little scared to say we have pride in ourselves and our accomplishments because it makes us feel arrogant. But I don't think that that's true. I think there's a line. We don't want to be like, I am so awesome. Look at me, you know, but I think that it's important to look back and and be proud of who we are and what we've accomplished. And, um, and, to not be afraid of that. So I've learned that. I mean, so, but I am, I'm proud of that hard work that I've done and just really grateful. And I'm super grateful for my family support. So when I'm traveling, I've got family who watches my kids. I've got a spouse who supports me and like helps me and helps me research events. And like right now we're interviewing and um, I, for, I didn't tell him this was on the calendar. And um, so I'd been out of town and he was really excited. We were fine. He's been running around all week. We were going to finally have this day at home. And I called him in like two hours before I interview and went, Oh yeah, I have an interview today. Can you keep the kids quiet? And he was like, are you serious? I gotta leave. <laughs> they got to get the kids out of the house. so They don't interrupt. And it just changed all of his plans. And he just does it with joy. He's like, I'm going to support Aww. you in what you do. Like, may we all have somebody on our Aww. team who supports us like that. Um, what a, what a gift to have that. And I know that you guys do. Uh, well, let's end there. Who is somebody that has really believed in you and supported you? And because of them, you are where you are. My husband, Rick. Yeah. Yeah. How has he supported you? Like what, what has he done? Oh my gosh. When I was producing live theater, we'd go find pieces of bathroom fixtures to build a set and he'd put it in his car and he just, he works the box office. He does everything. He's so very, very, very supportive and sweet. He'll do voices for my films. He'll do whatever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> oh, so fun. And it changes awesome. things, right? Cause you wouldn't have been this far if you would have had a husband or a spouse who was like, Oh, you're doing that again. <laughs> you know, it exactly. doesn't, it doesn't make you excited to pursue your goals um, or a best friend. I mean, if you're not married, you've got friends and you've got um, family members. I mean, how much easier is it to do something, something when you've got somebody cheering you on? And I guess if you don't have someone cheering you on, then you're not around the right people because there are people who do this. What about you, Dalip? I know you've got somebody who's really. No, of course. You know, I, I mean, uh, when you guys talked about who believed in them, the first thing that popped in my head was like my mom, of course, my late mother, uh, everybody's mom believes into that believes in their children right completely so she was number one fan of course she's not there with us today but she she was amazing um my wife has been such a huge supporter you know she's helped me build a business she challenges me when i complain <laughs> i love you said sure that earlier like yeah. when you're like oh i can't do this and she's like yes you can keep going <laughs> like, yeah that's awesome yeah she moved with me to sri lanka for five months she been through a lot she's been a great supporter and really it'll be unfair to say it's one person you know it's my my family my brothers you know my daughter you know they've all they've all seen that i'm doing something they all recognize that what i'm doing while difficult and while i would say use use like uh, i forget the word you use but uh, synonym for difficult that you used laura uh despite that they know that it's the path that i need to be on and they're really helping me be on that path Yeah. And we do that for other people. So gosh, how important is it to have those people around us? I mean, um, and with that, like I, 
just once again, I am so grateful for both of you. I would not be at 50 episodes of a really cool podcast without any of my guests. And you two definitely have been really significant in just my personal life and the stories and the talks that we've had, how they have shifted the way I've approached my leadership and the podcast itself. You guys are amazing. And thanks for being willing to just come on here again a second time and just celebrate with me. Um, 50 episodes. Here we go. So um, maybe we'll be doing this again um, at 100. That would be really cool. It's Let's do awesome. it. I'll be there. <laughs> Bravo to you. Thank you yes. guys so Congratulations. much. Congratulations. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you've liked what you heard and you want some more tools and resources to help you on your journey, go check out kylacofer.com forward slash free stuff.